Do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ooh, that one came with a little delay. Hello, how are you? Oh, is it recording? I don't see any yellow borders. I guess it's just going to have to... It says it says recording with a little red dot. Okay, what a mystery. So, <laughs> we'll find out the hard way. Uh, hi, Em. Christine, tell tell the world how you're feeling today. Listen, I woke up at <laughs> like a normal time for me, which is like 10.30, which is late, I know, but I was up really late. Oh, that's, I mean, to, you're talking to your, the right audience, though, because that's the time I got That's what, I was like, with Em, I didn't have to give it a caveat. With the rest of the world, I feel like I need to give it a little bit of a caveat. Yeah. Uh, we have, Em and I both have odd, more, less normal sleeping patterns, maybe, than most Look, people. The best thing is that we're our own bosses. That's and right. And yeah. our office and hours of operation start at 11. And then, <laughs> yeah. and you know what? It works. And to be clear, so that's like 11 it. Pacific. So that's like 2 p.m. my time. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like rested and ready to go. Um, but no. We're on different shifts. I, we work different shifts. Oh, God. If you're on YouTube, I hope you can't see it. But I have all these cold sores. And then I woke up all sick. And I was like, of course, Blades is like, do you have a fever because of the baby? And I was like, no. So I'm fine. I just feel I, I, like Em said, I haven't been sick since Wisconsin, which was on our 2019 tour. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing. Well, I haven't I, even had a cold. So it's like extra bad now. It feels well, relatively bad. I know I just said it on the show when I was just did I, I mention being sick on the yes. show, right? Okay, oh, we I always so mention being it. sick on the show. Don't worry. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, this was my first cold since Florida, and your first cold since was constant. Yeah. It's probably the exact same it thing. It probably I, is. <laughs> but I will say, just to like ease your anxiety, like currently when you say I have a bunch of cold sores, you sound like that person who's like, oh my God, I look so ugly today, and they look like an Instagram model. So like, one, fuck you, and two, you're in the clear. Well, thank you, because yesterday... They were like bad. And I was like, oh, that's weird because I haven't gotten cold sores in ages. And usually I get them all the time and they don't like always portend a sickness. It's just like a weird. I mean, it's like herpes of the mouth. It just appears. Um, but Look, then you yeah. have it. Michael Scott has it. That's right. Maybe it's just an ingrown hair. I don't know. Oh, God, Oof. I wish. Uh, so Abriva is on my nightstand. I'm just uh, <laughs> killing the game. I put on some 
don't know. I try to this co- is cover a, it up. This is a PSA that herpes simplex two or whatever it's called is a very common oh my illness. God. Super common. Um, so super, and there's nothing common. to be ashamed of. You're saying that like I should be ashamed. Christine, it's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> okay. Do you understand? <laughs> okay. Get it together. Get it together. Listen, if I were ashamed, I've had her- I've had herpes since I was like four years old. So at this point, it's too late it, to be you know, ashamed. I imagine most cases of it, of like just having like cold stars, start from sharing like lollipops as children. Yeah, like, it does. H- how would we know? Right, exactly. So, you know, here anyway, we are. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry you don't feel good. I'm, I, I'm feeling way better. I have some iced coffee and I took some Tylenol and I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling ready to rumble. Um. <laughs> I, I hope you say that and then later we get to play back like a scene from this <laughs> Where you're asleep while I'm talking again, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since that's happened. It's still my favorite episode when Christine literally fell asleep during my it's story. It's so embarrassing. Oh, my God. I really... It, does someone happen to know what number that is? I because saw it I, recently. I forget what it was. I saw, like, the, the description. It was like, this is a two... Like, sorry for the audio <laughs> discrepancy, but we had to start over the next day. <laughs> it was when I, uh, I just rem- I remember us cutting to it later and being like, well, good morning. It's <laughs> the next day. So embarrassing. <sighs> oh. All right. Anyway. Anyway, I assume that's why you drink this week is. Uh... Yeah, that. And I just wanted to throw out real quick. We had an awesome, 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 awesome uh, cryptid poetry slam. Uh, charity auction live show all this it was so fun and everybody was so like engaged and we just on auction items alone raised over three thousand dollars for asian americans advancing justice and i'm pretty sure with ticket sales that's like 10 grand or something i think it ended up being just over eleven thousand. wow yeah so i'm just so so proud of everybody and thankful and people like paid for a signed poster from us which is like wow what an honor um, a very honored and also people spent even more money on crystal dildos so <laughs> yeah, that, i get it that part i'm not I surprised at our audience but <laughs> yeah it was great uh, so thank you it was oh oh geez. there's okay it's your time has come goodbye em sound take, the alarm taken away. they heard they heard crystal dildo and said that <laughs> ought to be illegal it's witchcraft i say um oh no, look i hung up ever- my uh did you see that i framed oh. my um my witch my thingy my warrant of arrest yes when i went to uh salem i got christine and eva uh little fake decrees it's, that they so were cute. being they were being arrested for witchcraft i had mine framed but no i'm sorry you don't feel good and also thank you everyone who came to the auction and the reason i drank this week is because oh what I have a pretty solid Uh-oh. reason. I guess we. Sh- I guess I should say. So uh, my great uncle passed oh, that's away, right. and I'm actually I literally just escaped Florida um, <laughs> because I not well. I escaped it with the worst cold of my life. Florida Again. always has its like little talent, like its little like tendrils on you. Well, I'm scared because I got to go back to Florida now for the funeral. But he, oh. I just wanted to give him a shout out. He was 80 years old and he was he only it's very sad he only recently came out of the closet um but in the few years that he was with us and him and i had that very queer bond (laughs) anytime we had a moment with each other he would like always take advantage of it to talk about like 
a male like a waiter that was nearby <laughs> and like he was like so excited to talk about how cute boys were with me tell me you're giving the eulogy so, please because this is so beautiful i we i really should we should just play like ymca or something like the village <laughs> yeah. people at his <clears throat> but we didn't we weren't very close until only a couple of years Aww. ago um but we it was nice to be able to talk to him and like see you know what his life was i'm totally making it a queer thing just because it was like listen what the second he came out and he had someone to talk to it was our whole relationship right right but i just wanted to give a shout out to an old queen and <laughs> uh everyone do a little clink for uncle alan oh, absolutely he, i he apparently there was a uh a retirement or a drag show at his retirement home the week before he passed and i was like oh you need to go to that and he was like i've been they're amateurs and then his <laughs> I was gonna say please tell me some of the quotes again because it was so good Oh, he was talking about how he he had a, a friend in the army, and they used mm-hmm. to do stuff in foxholes. I mean, I'm really outing outing him, outing him now. I'm sorry, Uncle Alan. He said but something like, you know what happened in those foxholes. Yeah. And you were like, do I? <laughs> he was like, he really came out of his shell the second he could talk about that kind of stuff. And he was so uh, eager to talk about it. And I, I know he was always talking about how, like, us on the show he actually listens to the podcast and he he loved how open we were about that stuff and he i i don't know it it always made me smile so just for i don't know uncle alan who who we found out uh who i found out apparently was a regular on several gay cruises Mm -hmm. and the last thing i ever received from him was a list of gay cruises i also need to go well on. now you so, know your eat pray love moment you gotta eat go pray adventure. Love. if you ever need to catch me i will be on a gay cruise officially forever now um because he gave me a list of like 30 ships i am very excited to uh apparently he's been on all of them so now in honor of him i'll have to go relive those moments with him well in spirit that's so. beautiful i'm very sorry for your loss oh yeah crack a little one open clinky a little clinky for uncle there Alan. Is. is that a tea it's all blurry it's an arizona green oh tea, i love yes. an arizona good 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 cheers and to be clear i don't want anyone thinking i'm saying like i'm just like fully like just tell, telling all of his dirty secrets we truly bonded on all of these very funny moments so i hope that now in spirit he's like laughing along with oh, us. Oh, so what a guy. It. Well, I'm so sorry for loss, but um, I'm so happy he at least got to spend the last of his time here having fun and being who he was. He he was a very fun guy. He also, I only saw him a couple weeks ago, and he uh, had me rearranging his house for him. He wanted me to, like, move, because I had just rearranged my mom's house, right. and then my grandma found You're that, that guy in the family. <laughs> I just have to do all the, the honeydew stuff when I end up at someone's house. <laughs> and uh, he had me moving things around, and every time I moved something, he would, like, I just saw, like, the judgment in his eye, the side eye, and I was like, do you want to do this? I'm confused. <laughs> So my last memories are talking about gay cruises and getting judged while I decorated a gay man's house. So so there you have it. Uh, I love you, Uncle Alan. He also loved ice cream. So if anyone's out there eating Haagen-Dazs tonight, that's an honor of you. Yes, yes. Did he drink at all? He didn't. He was tea milkshake, my friend. Man, teetotaler just like you. The very last thing we ever did together was eat Haagen-Dazs in his retirement home. Well, that's so so sweet. Yeah. In the retirement anyway, home that has drag shows, by the way. So this is like, wow. I'm, very Boca. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think some people are going to request the name of this place, uh, including me later, by the way. 
Christine, once we're in retirement homes, I'll just be performing the drag shows for oh, you. Don't worry. Fully. You and I will like run the place empty. It'll be like nobody else wants to be here. <laughs> I, no one else is invited. My That's friend. right. Yeah, it's, it's just, our own home. Just you. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let me tell you a little story, my friend. Please do. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know, when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. This is a cryptid who I'm surprised I hadn't covered yet. Um, It is in Massachusetts. It is uh, 20 miles southwest of Boston. And this is the story of the Dover Demon. I don't even know what that is. Good, because I was afraid maybe I had covered it and forgot. Uh, well, so and you know that I'm not the one who's going <laughs> to confirm that, right? I could be, you could be like, "This is the chupacabra," and I can be like, "Wow, never heard of it. It doesn't mean anything." Well, a while ago, uh, everyone listening in, if you've caught on, there has been one episode where I did redo the story. I'm not going to say which one it is. You can figure it out for yeah. yourselves. My brother said but, some uh, people on Reddit figured it out, and I was like, "Well, fuck." My brother was I like, was really did an episode recently? And I was like, you don't even listen. Why would you know that? And he's like, oh, people were just like talking on Reddit. My brother like lurks in the subreddit and tells me any like important updates. <laughs> I love when people are just talking on the Reddit about my failures. No, okay. they're not. Because they're not. <laughs> I think my brother really wanted to jump in and be like, no, M did not do. Like, I think he wanted to defend you. But I did. And then I was like, well, actually. And he was like, damn it. 
<laughs> we always talked about like, oh my gosh, one day we're going to accidentally repeat a story and it's finally happened. And none so of us it, fucking noticed. So it took like 200 episodes, but it's been done. So y'all figure that out. And by anyway, the way, I'm glad- the reason it happened was not because we didn't check. It was because it was listed as a different name under the episode list. So Amen. it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to wing it. It was like you checked, but it wasn't listed as the same name. Yes. Okay. Um, thank you. I appreciate your defense. This is me defending you on not not on Reddit, but just you know, <laughs> on our own platform. Okay. So this is the Dover Demon. So real quick, here is like a description, if you will. The Dover Demon looks pretty much like a gray alien, except he has really rough, bumpy skin, which is also a light orange color. What? So instead of being a gray, it would be an orange, okay. I suppose. Um. The Dover Demon is hairless. It has no facial features, including mouth, nose, no, and no, ears. No, 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 This is too far. Just big old glowing eyes just batting at you. Except not really, because it also does not have eyelids. It can't blink. Great. Makes it so horrible. Um, I don't know why, but the idea of something not having eyelids ugh, freaks it's me out. It's not good. I, it's not good. I'm really terrified of fish, and I think one of the reasons is because they don't blink. That's a good point. Yeah, they sleep with their eyes open. Nothing safe comes out of that. They also don't have eyebrows, which um, I realized in recent years. I I read people's energy based on how expressive their eyebrows are. Yeah, I mean, it's a very important part of a expression. (laughs) But if, like, someone's eyebrows don't move, I'm like, what's happening now? Well, you're in L.A. Botox Central, man, so you better watch out. I know who to trust and not trust. <laughs> no mouth, nose, ears, eyebrows, or eyelids. And uh, it's around four feet tall with a very large uh, melon-shaped head, but long ways. So long oval instead of fat oval. So not like Hey Arnold, but like vertically. Got, Bingo. Got it. You Football it. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's a very, very melon-shaped head. On a very small stick-like body with thin arms and legs. Okay. So this thing think, seems like, like it's not built to withstand the elements of Boston. I'm just, I'm just gonna say it right now, <laughs> it can't even blink the snowflakes away. You couldn't be more onto it because my <laughs> next comment is that it has no clothing. <laughs> uh, okay. Really okay. a sign that you're a tourist. Um, uh, also, it's. I know I said earlier that it looks like a gray alien, but we have not had any confirmation that it has anything to do with aliens. Okay. Uh, also because we don't get a lot of confirmation on aliens. <laughs> but uh, it, apparently there were no UFOs on the night of the sighting, so they're not associating it I with see. an alien at this time. But yeah, so completely naked, big head, little body, and it's got large protruding glassy eyes that are either orange or green, depending on the story. Eh. And it switches from bipedal to walking on all fours, which I don't like that. I don't like that your back can just tilt and now you're a different creature. Mm -mm. I don't like that. So uh, Dover, Massachusetts. It's 20 miles southwest of Boston. And the story takes place the night slash morning of April 21st, April 22nd uh, of 1977. Okay. So there are three technically four main sightings of this Dover demon and they all happen this night. So the first and arguably most important sighting of the Dover demon was a kid named Bill Bartlett and he was 17 which like Bill Bartlett sounds like a 70s name. Like Like, a cartoon in a comic strip. uh Yeah, yeah. 
so he was 17. It was about 1030 at night on April 21st. And this was on Farm Street, which we will talk about later. But remember Farm okay. Street. So Bill Bartlett was driving north in his VW Beetle, yeah, AO70s. <laughs> and he was with his friends Mike and Andy. And on the left-hand side of while they on, of the road they were driving on, there was the stone wall out in the field. Okay. So when they were driving, the headlights hit the wall, I guess when they turned, and Bill saw something on standing on top of the wall. Oh. It, I guess it turned its head when the headlights came, so it, like it got its attention, and this creature turned facing them. Yeah, well, it doesn't have any ability to blink, so. It, which is like bold that it would then choose to stare into I was gonna say, you'd think it okay. would turn the other way right like get that out yeah of my you eyes. only have one thing on your face and, it, <laughs> and it's very sensitive it's very sensitive to light uh so basically he turns in it with his big old eyes uh that is when bill saw this creature staring back at him i imagine it's kind of like when it when you see a deer on the road and they look at you and the eyes are like sure, glowing sure sure he said that they were, quote, lidless eyes shining like two orange marbles. Oh, boy. And this creature was just staring back at him. And he had never seen a creature like this before. He first thought maybe it was a dog or a cat or something. Never seen an animal like this. And this is a quote from Bill. It wasn't a dog or a cat. It had no tail. It had an egg-shaped head. This definitely wasn't a fox or any animal. It was some kind of creature with long, thin fingers <laughs> And it was more human-like than animal. Ugh. In which case, I say firm pass. But thank you so much, <laughs> Bill Bartlett. I'm glad you saw it, so I didn't have but the to. The way you were just moving your fingers while you said that is so disturbing. I don't like it. Well, I was, I was thinking like maybe like a salad fingers situation. You know, <gasps> remember salad fingers? No, what's that? <gasps> Christine. I mean, oh, maybe gonna... I do. What is that? It was like when we were 14, it was one of the most viral YouTube videos. I'm trying it, to remember. Google salad fingers real quick. <laughs> Just see if the picture pops up. It was as big as like old Greg. Tell me you know what old Greg you is. You and I have had the conversation about old Greg many times. Salad okay. fingers. Salad fingers. <laughs> this thing? Yes, that's salad fingers. I like vague. It's like familiar, but I don't think I ever really it's like just a like a random video someone made and it was like very quotable that's it how was people this... that's how things went viral back in the day it was just like this is yeah. mildly entertaining <laughs> it was like so just what the fuck and had some weird quotes but he basically he has fingers oh, it's, that a, are made of it's a web series it's like a real web series like well because the video got so big the person oh. just kept making more yeah i don't really remember this now it's a shame it's kind of like you watching hocus pocus now where the <laughs> right. fanfare is over well, I guess the fanfare with Hocus Pocus is never it's over, never. but Salad Fingers, it's definitely over. <laughs> so if you were to watch it now, you're going to be like, 14-year-old me really missed out. But 29, 30-year-old me is very happy. I don't have do, to care about this. Do you, remember, do you remember the thing? My brother played it on my ALEXA recently, and I was like, you just ruined my entire like Spotify history. But it's like that a horrible uh, singing, uh, what is it? It says like we love the moon because it's what <laughs> you mean like the Quiznos sub yes song? that's the one oh the Quiznos subs they are good to us this thingy we like the moon remember it's oh it's the ex yeah yeah nothing it's what the is exact that? same guy what's his name uh 
I don't know what it is. I call him the Quizno subs guy. <laughs> yeah, and he they made a somebody made a weird fucking video that just goes the sponge monkeys we like the moon or light bulbs but not as much as cheese. Like it's just it's a bunch very of very 2006. <laughs> like the more random the better. <clears throat> anyway, they got a pepper bar. <laughs> See, I don't know the original. I just know the I know the fucking like You got to go watch the Quizno subs. But the one that video, um, but I, it's not going to live up to the um, the 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 one that just says yells about cheese for no reason. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I don't but either. That was on imagine- albino black sheep. Remember albino black sheep? I do. I you know, oh, wow, we could really get off. This on is a, a stupid here. Okay. black hole we're going into. <laughs> just go watch Salad Fingers later, and you'll be you'll understand what, what was Got happening it. here when I did the finger thing. I see. It, it was just supposed to give you an idea of like lanky long. It did, fingers. and I didn't love it. Okay, well, I'm keep. I'm still doing it. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, oh yeah. So the the skin of this thing that Bill saw on the on the wall, <clears throat> he said the skin was rough, like either shark skin or wet sandpaper. Ew. Which like, I. I could not be less interested in seeing that with my eyes. I, I don't. I, I don't want to be a part of it. Also, like I'm not gonna lie, it seems like a hard thing you would be able to see in, at 10:30 at night with just your headlights. But that's just me. Maybe it had like super goosebumps, and it was real rough, real skin. bumpy. Like, yeah. Who, maybe it's goosebumps instead of like little baby dots or like big old bumps, and so you could see them from far away. I see, like ostrich bumps. You get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> You, uh, that's why we're fucking friends. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> you so, forgot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So this thing had wet sandpaper shark ostrich bumps. Okay. And then it had no nose, no mouth, and it's long, spindly, spindly fingers. Ugh. Apparently, it was in the middle of either standing on the wall or climbing on the wall, but either its hands or feet, the long little tendrils were curling around the rocks to hold on to the wall so it wasn't just standing there flat foot it's like its little toes were like tarzaning on vines it was like grap grappling onto these rocks to stand on there which really freaks me out um apparently the creature was small but lanky and uh bill i compared it to a human baby's body in that it was like all kind of a compact little body but with very long limbs and a head as large as the rest of its body so like (laughs) half of its weight was like being supported on this really thin neck no wonder it needs those little like things to hold grasp onto the wall it's just like always like like stress the fuck out (laughs) trying to keep balance so Bill says, quote, it turned its head to look at me. And you get that moment where your eyes meet. And I remember that happening and it freaked me out. Oh, yeah. No shit. So, yeah. Right. So Bill's two friends, who would be perfect key witnesses to this whole experience, were too busy talking and didn't see this. <gasps> no, Andy and Mike. So they were big, big Mike and big Andy. I oh, guess. come on. So Bill's friends were distracted, didn't see anything. So Bill was on his own with this experience. But he, the one story says that they actually did go back to see if they found anything still there, but they didn't see anything. But they ended up all just going home. So that's that's Bill's account. Okay. So the next one was an hour to an hour and a half after Bill was around the area. This kid, 15-year-old John Baxter, is in the area. And he is 
not necessarily on Farm Street, but he's at an intersecting road called Miller Miller Hill Road. Okay. So he was near Farm Road only an, an hour or so after Bill uh, was there. And John was just leaving his girlfriend Kathy's home, and he was walking home near the woods, which, like, first of dun, all, dun, so dun. 70s. <laughs> and uh, after about only a mile, first of all, if I ever only had to walk a mile, mile to, I'd be like, Allison, you're driving my ass home. Walk a mile in the woods. No, no, no. I'm sleeping on your uh, couch, man. I know this is 70s, yeah. so I'll sleep downstairs, but... I'm not walking. I'll, I'll sleep on the floor wherever I need to be. <laughs> so he left his girlfriend Kathy's house. He was walking near the woods. And after only about a mile of walking, he sees this figure walking towards him mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. And he sees that the figure has a large head. And he thinks it must be his neighbor who had a condition before we laugh about that he thought his neighbor had a big head. Because uh, when I first read it, I went, that's hysterical. And then I kept reading and I went, oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. No, that, I'm with you. Yeah. I was going to be like, why would you think that? Okay. Well, because my first thought was like Rocco's modern life and his neighbor was literally Mr. Big Head. Right, right, right. And so that was my first thought. And then I realized that apparently the neighbor's name was M.G. Bouchard. And he had some sort of condition from childhood where his head was just a little larger. Okay, okay. Um, and then it was not funny anymore. And I no, apologize no. for ever thinking it was funny. He thought it was this kid, M.G. Bouchard, maybe walking home from late, walking home late from a party. Um, And so John called out to him so they could walk together um, or at least say hi to each other. But they both kept walking towards each other and the creature did not reply. Mm -mm. So John was wondering why this thing or this person or whoever it was wasn't saying anything back to him because he was definitely within like hearing range and john said quote as i got nearer and nearer i could tell it wasn't mg because it was much too small and mg would have called out to me anyway so i just kept i kept getting closer and i was wondering who is this nightmare eventually as they're getting closer to each other the shadowy creature stops walking in the middle of the road okay John stops about 30 feet from him, or this creature, and they are both just staring at each other. And John is like, what is going on? Decides to get, like, one step closer just to be like, okay, like, now we're facing off. Like, who is this thing? So John takes one step closer, and this creature just takes the fuck (gasps) off into the woods. (sighs) John, in a classic episode of Stranger Things, doesn't run away from this creature, but instead chases it to see what this thing was. Gets on his bicycle and chases it. (laughs) His bicycle bicycle he had for a whole mile that he walked next (laughs) to. Oh, right. Never mind. Um, And so uh, he follows it into the woods, and eventually there's this whole chase scene of, like, he's by the trees, by this gully, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, John catches up to him and sees this creature... Uh, standing in the woods by a tree and its feet or toes were wrapping around the trunk of a tree and the rocks nearby keeping balance while standing next to the tree. Here we go again with these toes. With its little creepy toes. It reminds me of like people who can like pinch with their toes but like (laughs) but they're like pinching the ground for dear life. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) Um, John says 
quote, it was looking at me and I just stared at it for another few minutes. And then I got all these thoughts that maybe it was something really strange because, you know, nothing ever happened to me like this before. So I didn't know what to think. I finally got the thought that maybe it wasn't as safe as it looked because the way it was. <laughs> no, no shit. John. <laughs> it wasn't as safe as it looked because the way it was staring at me, it just seemed like it was. I don't know. I just got all these feelings that it was thinking to itself or waiting to spring at me or whatever. And so basically, John very quickly backed away and ran off. Good call. Good call. Good call. So that's John's account. And now the third one is two people. So we've got Abby and her boyfriend, Will, who are also both teenagers. And they are on Springdale Avenue, which is not Farm Street, but is still significant. And I'll tell you that in a little bit. So Abby and Will are on Springdale Avenue, and Will is driving Abby back home. And while they're driving home by this bridge, Abby sees this creature crouching down, which we hate crouching. No good, no good. Crouching near the bridge next to a tree, but then when they're driving past, it stands up and looks at her. Well, Abby says, as I looked at it, it kind of looked like an ape. And then I looked at the head and the head was very big and it was a very weird head and it had bright green eyes and the eyes just glowed. Uh, They were looking exactly at me. And at the same time that she was seeing this thing stand up from a crouching position, her boyfriend, Will, said, did you just see something? (gasps) So I guess Abby said, yeah, lock the doors. Let's get the fuck out of here. Out of all the reports, the biggest thing is that both John and Will say that this creature had orange eyes, but Abby says that they were green. But that's like really the only difference. Oh, wow. Because the, yeah, the fingers and everything, the feet. Yeah. So this is where investigation slash explanations to what they saw happen. So the first part to this, I have to like, announce it now i'm not totally sure what i did my best to piece together the timeline but i was getting really confused there was i felt like every link had a different um chronology to how the investigation itself started so this was my best attempt at putting it together but um it was said in a few places that each time there was a sighting it was reported to the police So the police knew about it, but they didn't do anything. In fact, a lot of them just thought it was a hoax or, you know, not really worth paying attention to because really only three people say they saw this thing and then they never heard about it again. So word spread through these witnesses uh, about like the sighting of this thing over the weekend and Bill overheard that other people had seen it. And so he drew a sketch Mm -hmm. of it himself and ended up making a bunch of copies and handing them out all over town. Oh, great. I think, he, I think he handed them out all over school, but, like, one of them maybe, like, you know, ended up in a pocket and then on a table somewhere sure, else. Sure. But it ended up trickling into the rest of town. And one of the people who ended up with a photocopy of his drawing was Lauren Coleman, who I've mentioned uh, a few times on our show. He's basically the Harry Price of cryptids. Oh, yeah. Is it Lorne, like, or Lauren? It's spelled Lauren with an O, so maybe it's Lauren. Wait, can you spell it? L-O-R-E-N. Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, never mind. Lauren is like okay. N-E, but Lauren, yeah. Oh, like um, SNL guy Lauren. Lauren Michaels, yeah. Yeah. No, this is Lauren. Lauren. Okay. Um, so, Lauren Coleman, he's like known as like basically the father. Right, of the I actually remember him. So, he, I guess, happens to be in this town has and finds this photocopy of 
a creature no one's ever talked about before. So right up his alley. <laughs> I like to think it was like a, like a lazy Sunday. And he was like, oh, what am I going to do? Today? He's just and yeah, then all wandering sudden, around after brunch. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like, you have a mission now. <laughs> As word was trickling out that a bunch of teenagers saw this thing. And I guess people had started seeing the sketch around town. Um, soon local papers were writing about the sightings. And the articles were all over the place. It was giving this creature a lot of publicity, but all of the articles were like, I don't know if sensationalized is the right word, but they were like, I don't want to like say a publication and like trash them, but it, it was, it felt more like, like a tabloid. Like kind our, of story. it felt like our kind of tabloid, like mm-hmm. our kind of yeah. publication. Yeah. And that's very dirty. It was, the stories were like, um, one praised the witnesses character saying if they saw this, they meant it. Like they're serious. Another article like completely bashed them another one said that like cops had searched the area but couldn't find anything and there's this conspiracy cover-up another one said that cops had zero reports on the sightings and never heard about this and they're finding out through the paper another one said that the police station actually already had like a painting of this creature hanging in the office (laughs) it was all over the fucking place so between these articles just, I think, getting sensationalized right. and Lauren Coleman himself finding one of these sketches, uh, Lauren decided that he was going to get a team together and investigate the the cryptid sightings in this town. Yes, love it. And on this team were Lauren himself and then Ed Fogg, Walter Webb, and Joseph Nyman. So after Lauren's investigation, which was basically interviewing each person, the police soon opened up an investigation and then and that's when they asked each of the witnesses to draw their own sketch of the creature to see if they all matched uh-huh. up. Um, or again, because I'm like weird on the timeline, Lauren's investigation might have had them doing the sketches. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But sketches came into play. Got it. And there are pictures online of each th- of the three people's Ooh, drawings. That's cool. And they are pretty similar. So um on Bill's, he actually wrote, I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. <laughs> I love you, Bill. He was like, I am going down, like, I'm going down with this I picture. I will die on this hill. <laughs> yes, everyone will know. I will die on this rock hill with my toes clinging to the top. <laughs> <laughs> you can't knock me off. I hate it. So... Nothing ever really came from the investigations other than people coming to their own conclusions about what happened. But these sketches do, if if they never talked about it beforehand with each other and all individually sketched these things without comparing stories, it is very weird because it is definitely the same creature that is every time. spooky, especially because it was from the same night. The same night, know? all within about two hours. And the fact that nobody else saw it any other day, like, did it go back to where it came from like ooh, yeah we have no clue it's into this day it has not officially been seen since that's, so that's this is wild. like a, it's interesting i don't know if that makes it more or less believable to me because usually cryptids like everyone's got a story right. or know somebody's got a story and this is just three four people if you count the boyfriend so i almost think it makes it more believable because people aren't there aren't any like fake like oh i saw it too like a week later yeah. It's stories that are I don't know. sticking. Huh. So uh, here are some of the theories. There are seven of them. Okay. Um, oh, wow. or, at least these are the, <laughs> or at least these are the seven that I found. So one simple is that it was actually the Chupacabra. Oh. So we're just like. Oh, simple. Right. <laughs> we, we're just, uh, you know, just 
putting it on something else. Just lump it into a totally different mystery. Well, because if you think about the fact that it could walk on both legs, sure. or it could be it could be a quadruped, and the fact that it has like kind of an oblong face, maybe at night you wouldn't notice any other traits of it except its eyes. So it could have just been a dog with mange, since everyone said it was hairless, right, and orange, <laughs> and orange. And but also, no I guess nose. it's like maybe it had some like fleshy color to it, and like the lights hit it, and it looked or- more orange. One thing I was wondering is that they said it's. Two of them said its eyes were orange, but wasn't its skin also orange? So did the eyes just like blend into the skin? So I'm just reporting the news here, but I I didn't mention this because it felt a little odd. But um, another way that its skin was described was Bill said it was the color of people in uh, Sunday news comics. And I was... I was like, hmm, so that makes me think like that's you're only referring to white people in comics. I left it alone. But I do know like the old vintage comics, white people being drawn in vintage comics. It was kind of like a peachy color. I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see. I just it felt a little exclusive. Like, oh, sure. Not inclusive. So I was like, I'm just not even going to go there. But that is another way that the flesh color was described. So we know that the the skin itself was some sort of peachy off orange color but then the eyes were apparently like bright glowing orange uh-huh. in which case it makes me feel again like a deer in the headlights it, sometimes it glows orange really quickly like yeah the, true when their eyes reflect true. so i'm not sure but people think it could be a dog with mange aka the chupacabra or just a dog with fucking mange by the way <laughs> um People also think one of the bigger arguments was that it was either a baby horse or a baby moose that got loose Aww. in the area because its face at night would be like really melon oblong sure. shaped with uh, it wouldn't have a lot of facial features, especially in the dark. And Aww. it would and it would have lanky limbs since it was so tiny mm-hmm. and it would have been, and it would like be, have like kind of a stout belly and thin limbs and it would be kind of the size that people were saying Poor little moose. Abby and her boyfriend, Will, both said that it was kind of like the size of a goat. So that would make sense if it was like just a baby horse. But it wasn't full season. Okay. And moose at that time of the year in that area of Massachusetts would have been fizzucking massive. Like not small. Like like not had a little baby. And their fingers probably wouldn't have been waving in the wind. Made out of salad or something. Made out of salad. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, the, the actually, the argument was, like, n- never have I ever seen a foal or a baby moose standing on its hind legs and sitting on tops of walls. I'm going to say that next um, time I'm playing the drinking game. Never have <laughs> I ever. <laughs> uh, another argument is that it was an escaped lab monkey or a legal pet monkey. Oh, I, okay. Um, even though a monkey and a baby moose look nothing alike. Yeah. What is really interesting in each person's account of seeing this thing, at least once they each said something about it looking like a monkey. Mm, right. And, so, and I, that would make more sense for gripping. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but they did say our bill said it didn't have a tail and it didn't have hair and it didn't have facial features. So maybe they just saw the silhouette of something that looked like a monkey, which is what all three of them at different times said that, like, from the silhouette, we th- I thought it was a monkey for a second. Okay. Um, or an ape. Right. According to Abby. But they're two different things. Be- and I know that because I listened to the Veggie Tales song That's about right. it. 
they thought it could be a monkey and specifically it could be a gibbon. Okay. Because I guess they're they have orange yes. furred babies. Oh, and they're yeah, they're very unique looking. They have a gibbon um, enclosure at the Cincinnati Zoo. Just trying to oh. picture a gibbon real quick. Yeah. Oh my god, and they're like orangey. Kind of yeah, so that looking. would explain the orange color. Yeah, and huh. one of the one of the main arguments for why they thought it could be a monkey is because every person described it as human-like, and they were like, oh, so maybe uh, a primate. Okay, wait, look at this. Look at its, like, long limbs. Look how it's literally... And its toes. It's, it's got its little salad fingers. It's holding <laughs> on with its toes. I mean, that's fair. And it has long limbs. Yeah, and its eyes would probably reflect big, big eyes. Hmm. So anyway, that's another one is that maybe it was a monkey, but all three witnesses just kind of mentioned that in the silhouette, it looked like a monkey, but any additional features that they described don't fit it being a monkey. Um, It was mainly because it's human-like and orange that they ran with that idea, but like there were no, unless it was an illegal pet that got out, there's like no reports of a loose monkey in Dover, Massachusetts. So right. People also thought it could be an undiscovered animal that, which like, sure, but that's unlikely, but it was like this unidentified or mutated animal, which was unrecognizable, or it could have been an alien. Um, But again, there were no UFO reports in the area. So they feel like that would be more of an inkling that it was an alien. And uh, the last random theory is that uh, the kids could have just all been drunk. (laughs) And oh my god! <laughs> what's funny is Bill later even said like his friends and him were probably actually out driving around looking for a beer, but they never got drunk. Oh. <laughs> he was like, "Well, maybe." But we no, wanted no, no, to no. be drunk. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they think like, "Hey, it was like a weekend night, and they're all like in their fifteen to seventeen range. They might just might have just been Bunch walking around teens. in the woods getting drunk." Damn. Um, so the main argument is that this is just a hoax, especially because there's only been three people who've ever seen it. Sure. A lot of people say that they were playing a hoax, but the police chief who states that there were reports about this or states that, like, you know, he he actually believes the kids. One of the things that, like, I think he was trying to help the argument of, like, no, this isn't a hoax. I know one of the kids and, like, he's a really... Uh, he's a good kid he's trustworthy it ended up backfiring because it's like they found out that the police chief himself was friends with bill's family (laughs) so he might have just been like trying to cover for him so he didn't look silly or embarrass himself but the police chief ended up making it look like it maybe was a hoax because of of his connection with them yeah so um a lot of people say, well, it's a hoax. And they're like, well, the police chief says that he believes them. And it's like, well, the police chief knew the kid's family. So maybe not. Um, yeah. Although other teachers vouched for the character of these kids, except for two who said that, oh, no, these kids would absolutely pull a <laughs> like this. But uh, to be fair, all of them but Abby... Uh, so none of the male witnesses were good students. So they think that would explain like the teacher's lack of faith in uh, them sure, and, yeah. in being trustworthy. Um, and if the kids, one of the bigger arguments and whether it was a hoax or not, people say, well, if the kids knew each other, then we can assume that maybe they all like hatched a plan. But did they know each other? We're not too sure. So nobody totally knows the connection that they had before this night. Interesting. During... During interviews, they, 
I guess people were trying to figure out what their relationship with each other was and if they knew each other, if they were truly just all three individual random people who saw this thing. And all of their interviews were completely did not match up with everybody else's story. So it's very fishy. Uh Um, Will, the boyfriend of Abby. Yeah. uh, Who, so he saw the, the thing crouching down and all that. He says that he was actually going to go camping the next night with Bill, who also saw this thing, and they picked up John, who was hitchhiking on the side of the road. So he told this whole story that all three of them were literally together after they after they all saw this thing individually. And when they got together, they started talking about how they all saw this creature. So, like, what are the odds that the only three people on yeah. Earth who saw this thing end up in a car together? Happened and after to they saw camping. it, they're yeah. comparing notes. Then John's interview, he said that he hadn't heard that anyone else ever saw this thing for at least a week until he showed the sketch to someone at school. And that random kid was like, oh, that that looks just like the drawing that Bill Uh has been drawing and photocopying for everyone, which then adds the other caveat of like, did John see anything or did he see Bill's original drawing? And then he drew something to be in on the story. Bill's interview, he says that he couldn't remember when he saw John's drawing or anyone else's drawing or even compared notes with other people who saw this thing. Uh, He just doesn't remember. He basically was just like, I plead the fifth. I don't fucking remember. (laughs) And so it ended up being officially determined that Bill, who saw it first, and Abby's boyfriend, Will, uh, were actually friends in real life, but John was only an acquaintance. So... Ouch. (laughs) So... Also, it makes you wonder, like, okay, were these two people in on something? And, like, John ended up wanting to be part of the narrative and insert himself? Or did they convince a random person to do it so that it would look more legit? Or is it a coincidence? I mean, that two people in a small town that go to the same school that live near the same street both saw this thing as well as a random other kid. So it's, like, no one really knows. Wow. No one, like, officially really knows what their relationships were. It all seems to be a lot of hearsay and putting random stories together and trying to fit it into this It doesn't help that they're all teenagers, so they could have all had connections in some capacity from school or friends or whatever. There's no way of knowing. (sighs) And ultimately, Lauren Coleman, they were like, well, what's your take on this since you're, like, the cryptic, you know, uh, investigation expert? And he believed that none of the teenagers talked about the sightings that they experienced until after reporting their own experiences. And then they got together and like compared notes, but they never talked to each other and then built out a story. I mean, it is a great way to become friends. Like truly we've all been traumatized I mean, by this cryptid. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't know I mean, why you'd go it, camping after that. I'd be like, we're going camping inside the locked doors, but that you know. alone is so fishy yep. of like, are you kidding me? You just saw this thing out in the woods and now you're going to go camp? But maybe they wanted to go find it. Who knows? I feel like that's another option. Like Maybe, actually. That's or something. I think you're doing the thing I did last week where I think you're solving <laughs> the mystery. Where I just talk out of my ass and like it happens <laughs> to kind of fit. So Lauren Coleman, uh, he says that all three witnesses were credible uh, and that this cryptid doesn't match any other reported cryptid sightings and therefore it must be its own creature. And Lauren himself actually uh, coined the phrase Dover Demon. So he thinks it also makes sense that a cryptid might be in this area because apparently 
there has been some unexplained air activity in the past on Farm Street. Uh-huh. So uh, in a book in 1914 called Dover Farms by Frank Smith, it says that in this area, there was also allegedly buried treasure. And in the 1600s, someone swears that they saw the devil on Farm Street. Oh. And I wish I got more information, but that was it was like a very quick quip in this book and it was just like kind of like oh huh. things have happened here you know that one time so- they saw a devil yeah. anyway moving on <laughs> like, and maybe he buried the treasure maybe he wanted the treasure i'm treasure. unsure lauren coleman said quote it's almost as if there are certain areas that collect sightings in a magnetic uh-huh. way so he thinks that because stuff has already been seen here yeah. it would make sense why the dover demons also seen here although you could just like say Lauren Coleman is talking out of his ass. This is just a guy who really is super biased about cryptids. And also the only other unexplained activity was a reference to something in the 1600s that could totally be misinterpreted. Right. Right. Like you could really see it either way, depending on what you want to believe. It's a good point. Um, But the only two other potential sightings of the Dover demon happened. One surprisingly five years before these three sightings, in 1972, when a guy named Mark was at up the pond with his friends, and they say they all saw something near the edge of the water that didn't look like an animal they knew, but it had bright glowing eyes. Mm. And in 1978, a couple years after all the sightings, Bill again maybe saw this thing when he was parked with his girlfriend and he heard a thud on his car and then saw a small shadowy figure run away. So Ooh. he's unsure if it was... The Dover Demon, or it literally could have just been an animal, or it could have been a kid playing a prank on him, or, you know, sure. he doesn't know. But they were the only two stories that seemed to get mentioned all over the news outlets about if there have been any other sightings. Okay, so, and when were those, did you say? So the official three sightings were 1977. Right. But a year later, okay. Bill thinks he saw something in the car, or by the car. And five years before that, like before we oh, even ever mentioned okay. this, before there was investigations, this guy, Mark, was like, yeah, I saw this thing at the pond with my friends. And I kind of feel like Mark just wanted to be part of Mark the story. Mark was like, yeah, me like, too. I, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cared what I said. Yeah. Exactly. So it's officially still an unsolved mystery. There have been no solid sightings since this, which was over 40 years wow. ago. And in 2007, which was the 30-year anniversary, um, Bill was interviewed he's now a painter and he still stands by this story this is not one full quote of his but this is a compilation of quotes from people asking his opinion okay he has said the following quote it's a thing that's been following me for years not the creature but the story sometimes i dread every halloween getting calls about it it was my 15 minutes of fame without wanting it It was a little embarrassing. It still is. I don't usually tell anybody. I shouldn't be embarrassed, but you see these people on TV and they're made to make me look like idiots. I really do wish that I had made it up. I might have profited from it. It's a great story. I wish I saw it again so everyone would know it was true. Or I wish everyone could see it again so I know it was true. I've always tried to guess what it was and I never had any idea. I definitely saw something, though. It was definitely weird and I didn't make it up. Okay, so I mean, listen. he stands by it. The Dover Demon has sparked some pop culture references. It's been in video games. It, there are toys made of the Dover Demon. I'm sure on Etsy you can find some really crazy <laughs> little crocheted Dover Demons. 
It's been featured on Unsolved Mysteries, Coast to Coast AM, Monsters and Mysteries in America, and Animal Planet's Lost Tapes, just to name a few. And it's also, in pop culture, it was mentioned in a comic book series called Proof, which has 28 uh, issues, if you want to go buy them, but it's apparently a whole comic book based on cryptids. Cool. And, fun fact, there is a makeup brand called Notoriously Morbid that makes an eyeshadow called Dover Demon. No way. In About.com, which is owned by the New York Times, they say that the Dover Demon is uh, one of the top 10 most mysterious creatures of modern times. Oh. And just a fun fact, some actually say that the Dover Demon could actually be from native lore. It could be uh, a Managishi or a Memeguesi, which apparently are kind of, I think, the same spirits in different tribes. Mm -hmm. It just sounds like they're very similar or related to each other. But the Managishi and the Memeguesi, um, or Memeguesi, hopefully I'm saying that right. But they are from the Ojibwe, Cree, Ottawa, Algonquin, Innu, Metis, and Menominee. All those tribes have a different version of this lore. And this creature is said to be a race of trickster humanoid spirits that are very small with lanky limbs, large heads, and sometimes a narrow face and no nose. Uh And they live in the water... And will sometimes capsize canoes or blow them away if not shown respect. <laughs> That's not nice. But what's interesting here is that it says that they live in water. And if one of the things that they found during the, um, when they were investigating all three of these sightings, they realized if you put them all on a map, all of these, all of the sightings make a straight line and all of them are near different pieces of, different oh. places of water. So... Just another little confirmation that, like, oh, maybe this is just a managishi. Yeah. Yeah, a water spirit. So, anyway, that is the story of the Dover Demon. Wowza. I can't believe I've never even heard of that. I knew of it for a while, and I just never covered it. And apparently it's, like, super popular in paranormal lore. I've just been, like, I guess actively not looking for it this whole time. So. Oh, man. I thought that was cool. I want One thing that I... Oh, I was going to say, one thing that I'm shocked by is apparently the town of Dover, like, doesn't... Embrace it? Embrace it, yeah. Like, they know of it, but they're not, like, you know, how Loch Ness is basically a whole tourist attraction for Nessie, Point Pleasant. (laughs) Yeah, Point Pleasant. Like, it's the Hopkinsville, Kelly Hopkinsville Mm -hmm. aliens. Um, Apparently, Dover Demon, they all know of it, but they're kind of like... Three people on one weekend said they saw something 40 years ago. So and it's probably bummer, just like... the one guy's like, I just, I wish I could prove myself because it's not fake. I know. So I guess all of them are saying, or most of the residents these days are like, it's our own personal like Easter bunny, but we're not too attached to it. So. <laughs> but, but we can take it or leave it. <laughs> can you imagine like if there's like a, like a a conference for cryptids and like Aww, you're the Dover I demon know. you have to show up and like your hometown doesn't rep you where everyone no. else is like having like festivals and shit. And Mothman is just like the, the prize of the fuck boy the of, fuck the boy conference, of the conference. I'll tell you what, <laughs> he is just bringing people up to his hotel room every second of the day. Not even by anyway. the elevator. He's just flying them up outside through the window. He's like <laughs> holding them in this. his thick velvety wings oh, and man. soaring them into the sky. If y'all didn't watch the cryptids poetry <laughs> slam, man, you missed out. We had quite a sensual time together. <laughs> it was very interesting listening to Christine read me a little bit of smut, and which I'm into. I was like, 
Christine, I didn't know we could bond over this together, but here we are. I knew we could. I was waiting for this moment. (laughs) It was a little XXX. And also thank you, Eva, for picking out all the stories. But also, Eva, like... You knew what you were doing, and you knew Christine was going to read me. Uh, oh, even I texted about it beforehand. Some... She asked me if it was okay, and I was like, actually, can you get me some more? Um, so it's kind <laughs> you know of my fault. Christine, after you held my hand yeah. and sang me a song at a live show, yeah. that was like a letter to a murderer or something, or whatever it was. It was, it was uncomfortable. very perverted, yeah. Well, it, less perverted were these cryptid poems, but you really did find your place in the world where you just like... <laughs> reading slightly uncomfy things I literally to told me Eva, I was in like, the sexual remember, realm. I was like, remember that time I held MC and I want to do that again. So find me stories like that. And Eva was like, okay. <laughs> Someone wrote a, uh, a story about how like uh, they saw like a Bigfoot who had like an absolute dump truck ass. Oh, yeah. and, and that was a real Eva's, sighting story. It wasn't even like a poem. It was like, yeah, so that was actually someone's true personal yeah. experience. And Eva texted me later and was like, I made sure you would read that yeah, one. Yeah, I And I went, oh, thank you. Yeah, she was very I'm selective honored. with the uh, with the storytelling. I like when she, think, when she thinks about X-rated cryptid stuff, it goes to you. <laughs> and when she just thinks of, like, big ass cryptids, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Something worthy of TikTok, it's Em's turn. <laughs> Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes, to toys, to vibrators, to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department 
Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. All right, I am back. Welcome back. From my pee break. Thank you so very much. Christine, while we're here, Mm -hmm. I think it's funny to let you know. Uh, everyone out there, you probably haven't seen the entirety of what the And That's Why You Drink apartment looks like, but I mean, you can pretty much expect it's a lot of like Mothman posters right. and like bloody skulls and ghost hunting. Wooden like, dildos. Like, yeah. All sorts of like Zach Bagans shit. It's pretty disturbing. And I just got a text from our landlord, Christine. Oh, oh, wait, I saw that one came in. I didn't read it. What does it say? It says, hello, tenants. I hope you are doing just fine. We're not. <laughs> we we will be having an inspection and an uh, we'll be having an inspection and appraisal this Friday. Please make the unit available for viewing. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean, sir? I don't know. I love that it says make it available for viewing, as in like make sure it's clean and like available to be like people can walk in and inspect it. And it's like that poor inspector. That's a is loaded just gonna, question, indeed. That poor he's gonna be like what. Who do you house here? Remember that time I was there and I had to have a, uh, a plumber come in and like fix that leak that was in the ceiling? Our ceiling was leaking so insane. We, the entire apartment like nearly flooded. I it was, was horrible. So upset. Can you imagine that poor Zach Bagans poster getting flooded? Uh, tragedy. Um, Ugh, but when that I'm guy... just thinking, lemon is there. They're literally going to see a glass encased lemon. Well, that like... is the only thing that will save them from <laughs> a bad opinion. But when... I'll have to go over there and take lemon so they don't steal. Please him. just protect lemon at all costs. I don't like that you're leaving mm-hmm. him there alone. But whatever. He's fine. He's protecting the house. Well, when the plumber came over, he like kind of looked around and was like, "Do you sleep? Do you live here?" Like he was so confused, and I was like. Sort of. I'm not going to get into it. Sort of. It's like, why is why do you have so many things that just are like covered in wine? And like, why are there like little haunted corn husk dolls of you <laughs> with your and face like, glued on them? Yeah. <laughs> why are there dolls that look like zombies with their heads rolling off? What is going wooden on dildos over there? once again in front of the television? Like what? Literally, like one of our like basically our mantle has a bunch of wooden dildos on them and then he went into the bathroom and it had like barely because it i don't use it that often because it was just when i was staying there and he's like do you use this bathroom like nobody's ever used this bathroom like he was so baffled by the whole thing um it was honestly, the, the whole place is really an interesting site, especially literally over your bed there's a bunch of framed pictures of mothman sitting in martini glasses yeah. and there's a framed picture of cheesecake factory like it's there's like, like what a, an acid trip yeah sunset themed like elephant <laughs> banner it's just the wildest place um oh i miss it so much i look i'm keeping it safe it's nice to have a Thank workplace you. during everything so i know um anyway i'll I'll head over there and, and let you know what the inspector says please do i cannot yeah. wait i cannot we should get one of those like nest cameras and just see what happens when they walk in we have one homie i'll, oh, I'll we definitely do? send you yeah i'll send you the recording of what that poor man yeah, has to we say. should set that up for all the time for ghost sightings how do we not have that set up i'll handle okay, it the day of the inspection you. thank you don't worry Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a story for you today. This is the story of the Colt Neck Mansion killings. Mm. And I had not heard of this before. And it's pretty recent. So it's kind of an unfolding story. So there might be an update in the future. Okay. But for now, we are going to Colt's Neck, New Jersey. Ooh. And a, have you heard of this place? Mm-mm. Me, I, me neither. Uh, the f- 
the only thing I know about Jersey is the Jersey Shore MTV and that I was born there. <laughs> oh, those it. are the only two things that matter. Don't worry. The two of America's highlights. What about Jersey Devil? Them, you know actually. about that. I do. And I actually lived uh, in uh, near like the Pine Barrens area. Right. So, so. you're. Yeah. So that's a trifecta. I'm my own little Jersey Devil. You I just are. That's what I call you. Yep. Behind your back. <laughs> um, so I guess Cold Snack is this like star studded neighborhood where uh, like super wealthy famous people live so there's Bon Jovi Queen Latifah uh, I know it's pretty wild and then there's also an educational animal sanctuary run by Jon Stewart and his wife they like bought a farm and started up I guess she is an author and animal advocate and they like started up a like an educational animal sanctuary super cute Um, fun so it's just like a very unique area and very wealthy So a little Mm -hmm. before Thanksgiving of 2018, it's November 20th, and the police get a call at 5 a.m. to head over to 51-year-old Paul Canero's house. Apparently, the house had caught fire while Paul, his wife, and two daughters were inside. Oh, shit. But thankfully, everyone was able to make it out unscathed. So that was at 5 a.m. on November 20th. Okay. That same day, like, Oh, my God. Why am I trying to do math? Like five hours later at 1238 p.m. So like a little bit after noon, the police get another call. And this time it's about Paul's younger brother, Keith, who also lives in the area. And so Paul's younger brother, Keith, a groundskeeper noticed that Keith's he's 50, 50 year old Keith's mansion, which is 10 miles away from Paul's place, is also on fire. Holy shit. So both brothers houses catch on fire the same day. That is a little too much of a coincidence fishy, to me. huh? Hmm. Yeah. So when police and fire engines arrive, they are shocked at what they see. They see Keith Canero's body laid out on the lawn, having been shot once in his <gasps> lower back and four times in the head. Holy shit. Yeah, it gets gruesome real fast. Okay. And that wasn't all, unfortunately. Apart from the house literally being on fire, inside the mansion, they found the bodies of Keith's wife, Jennifer, their 11-year-old son, Jesse... And their eight-year-old daughter, Sophia. All dead? All dead. Oh, for fuck's sake. I know. Okay. Um, And Jennifer, the wife, had been shot and stabbed, and the kids had all been stabbed (gasps) as well. Oh, my God. So, like, different types of murder also. And also much more personal Really violent. Yeah, really gruesome and really violent. Like, uh, it's literally the trifecta of fire, stabbing, shooting. Yeah. The trifecta, as they say. <laughs> the trifecta. Like, all you're missing is drowning at that point. I miss the, uh, the trifecta of the Jersey Devil and your birthplace. <laughs> Look, the Jersey Devil didn't do any of those That's right. Things. The Jersey Devil's innocent. He just likes to go boom, and that's it, you know? He's, he's fine. He likes to go to the convention with yeah. Mothman and his friends in the... De- and you know what? He's one of the big players there, too, because his whole town's so proud that's of him. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, the Dover Devil just has to, like, sit under his shadow. They're like, where, where, do you, where are you from, Dover Demon? And he's like, I don't want to tell you. Like, <laughs> I don't want to. It's fine. It's all over the place. Like on, on his like sticker, like it shows his name, pronouns, and where he's from. And he like doesn't. He just forgets to write where he's from. He's like New England. He's just like it's it. just like kind of. I'm an army brat all over the place. You know, don't don't even worry about it. I don't have a real home. Sad. Okay, <clears throat> so the following day, Paul, the older brother, whose house was initially on fire was arrested and charged with aggravated arson for torching his own home. (gasps) And eight days later, he was charged with murdering his younger brother and his brother's entire family. (gasps) And so this is a case that has not yet gone to trial. So it's still unfolding. Whoa. So wait, so 
he so he set his own place on fire to make it look like they were both victims is that what's happening here? so you know what that's a good question nobody totally knows <laughs> oh um, okay we he definitely like, well, while we're fucking at it while we're at it yeah and so that's why it's part of the confusing thing and i just also want to add like the reason we have so much information is because we have um affidavits of like what's been happening and they've been released to the public so even though this hasn't totally this hasn't gone to trial yet and hasn't been like resolved sure. i guess it's still very 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 detailed like we still have a ton of information so i hear you all right I hear you so as cbs news reported keith canero the younger brother who had died uh was a was a successful businessman he was 90 percent owner of square one inc which was a technology firm uh okay. a or is a technology firm and uh his brother paul the older brother owned the remaining 10 percent so they okay. both owned 90 and 10% of this Square One company. Nice. Keith had founded Square One, uh, and it said that one of his first jobs was a janitor at a computer shop in Brooklyn, where he negotiated his wages in exchange for the computer manuals the shop had, which he took home mm. at night to study. And then he built up his own, he didn't have a college education or anything, but he took the computer manuals home, studied them, and was able to build up, build up his own company from the ground up, which is pretty That's cool pretty story. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. So far, at that point in his timeline of events, I'm like, this dude sounds pretty neato. Pretty kick-ass guy. Yeah. It it quickly spirals. But yeah. Yeah. So far, I think that's a pretty... That's too super And to cool. be clear, this is the one who was murdered. This is Keith, the younger brother, who, like, owned oh, 90% okay. of the totally company. totally on board then. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm totally so on board then. So he... Keith, the younger brother, is the one who built this company from the ground up, learned... Uh, he could about technology working as a janitor like pretty badass story and as square one became more and more successful keith got his older brother paul involved to help the business thrive his big brother was his first employee so he really wanted to like include him in the business very sweet and as soon as the internet kind of properly kicked in in the 90s keith's original small company got a gig contract outfitting (laughs) you know you know how that happens to all of us. I absolutely know every word you just said. So, yeah. uh, someone's going to try to explain it to me on Twitter. and I'm going to glaze over and be like, oh, okay. When you said it so quickly, I glazed over. I can't imagine what an explanation will do to me. No, uh, with 140 characters or whatever. Oh, my brain. Okay. So he got a gig with Citibank's computer. So just like a really big like partnership deal. Um, and according to NJNewJersey.com, soon the business was making $5.5 million a year. And so it built, he was able to build it up really quickly. Um, and then when the internet kicked in, it like took off. So from janitor to manager, Keith was not stopping there. According to the Daily Beast, along with Square One, Paul and Keith Canero began building a series of businesses together, including a pest control firm, EcoStar Pest Management. And uh, they had also previously worked together at a consulting firm called J. Martin, which I thought was cute because it's both of their middle names hyphenated. J. Martin Fun. Con- Consulting. So they basically worked together at multiple different companies, created multiple different companies together, and were just partners in business and brothers. So while Keith was making the big bucks as the president of his own company, he was still working on himself and his own education outside of work. So he went to Columbia University in 2014 to get his undergrad. And then he followed that with an MBA from Columbia, specializing in IT management. So even though he has like this big successful business, he's still trying to, you know, uh, increase his own education. It sounds like a real... 
a real chaser. Yes. Like a real yes, hustler. Yes. Like every like you had me first of all, you had me because it rhymed, but you had me at from janitor to manager, <laughs> which like should it, be it's the big like, rhyme, but it's close. Should be like the title of his like autobiography. Oh yeah. But also like <laughs> then like every like she just keep climbing ladders, climbing yes. ladders. It's, it's like nothing it's like he's always building up an, the next goal. Like he yeah. continues to he's, he's a goal getter. Which, like Boss he's, babe, you know he's a boss. Girl babe. boss, girl boss, girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> boy boss. It's boy, boss, boy summer, boss. So boy boss summer. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. So he's a boy boss, and he is kicking ass. Um, and Keith was obviously known for his hard work, his drive. Um, there's a guy named Brian Bott who owned like a local gym who said Keith would always chat to him about how excited he was for his own future. And then a Aww. friend, I know. And then a friend named Amit Chaudhry, uh, who was in Keith's master's program at Columbia said they would always chat about how Keith's goal was to become the chief technology officer for a fortune 500 company. Um, wow. and he like, he basically was trying to manifest it in other words. Like he sounds like he was fucking working. I know, honestly, like if anyone could do it, it sounds like it was him. And he- he sounds like he was so proud of himself. Yes, he was working his butt off oh. um, and he had a lot of big goals and he was like reaching his goals, um, like you said. And I mean, as someone who always wanted to be a Forbes 30 under 30, that I missed the boat. So if you still have a few months. <laughs> God, OK, no pressure. OK, well, I found out my my town, Cincinnati, has a 40 under 40. And I'm like, all right, got nine <laughs> years left. Let's kick it into gear. Um, and it'll all be because you drank some wine. <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't want to go to work. I wanted to drink wine instead. You did not do the Keith route, to be fair. No, not even a little bit. Oh, I'm not even going to pretend. Um, so, yeah, he, he kind of always was talking about, like, one day I have a dream of becoming, like, the chief technology officer for a Fortune 500 company. Um, and according to Amit, he would just mention it to everyone and was just trying to, like, put it out. You know how they say, like, if you have yeah. goals, like, put them out there and people will hold you accountable, yada, yada. Look, I, whatever he was doing was working. It was working, so. yeah. So, no judgment. Around the time of his murder, uh, Keith had begun heading out on job interviews and had even be, uh, been considering selling his own technology firm. And one person that had become, let's say, less than pleased by this was his older brother, Paul. Ooh, was this like a sub- sibling rivalry situation? So basically, Paul had had this cushy job for years because... His younger brother founded this whole company and then said, like, here, you can work here and you get 10% of the company. And And now he might sell. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And he had a massive income um, and he wasn't, you know, there wasn't much pressure on him. It was his own brother's company. So he didn't feel like the pressure of losing a job or anything like that until Keith said, I'm considering selling and moving on to do something else. Probably he probably felt like the like the carpet was getting ripped out. Precisely. Exactly. And unfortunately, this was not the first rift between Keith and Paul. There had been a bit of tension building over the years, uh, especially after 2013, because in 2013, Paul had been badly injured in a car accident. And after that, he underwent multiple surgeries because of his constant pain. And because of this period of his life, he had been secretly borrowing, quote unquote, money from the company. A.K.A. Embezzling. A.K.A. Just, yes, stealing. Okay, got it. <laughs> so he had been, like, literally just t- stealing money from his own com- his brother's company. Keith eventually noticed this. Like, I think Keith is not the type to slouch on, like, keeping tabs on his own business. Sure. So he obviously noticed that the accounts were losing money. And there's this massive financial friction happening between them. But also it's like, 
would that be enough to murder your own brother and his kids? Like, it just seems like an extreme. Yeah, I wonder, like, I mean, I who's to say, like, what truly causes something like that? But I would love to know the inner workings, like look at a brain scan or like hear what the therapist had to say mm-hmm. or look at your childhood because you got to be built a certain way, even if Completely. it was like, I can't think of wanting to murder somebody just because like I, you know, I have to make a life change. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like financial friction is one of those things that causes people to snap in such a way that like you don't see any other type of friction. Like when you see these uh, family annihilators, it, I feel like there's yeah. always a financial thing stressor underneath. Yeah. They don't want their family to, they, they think they're doing a favor by killing their family to protect them from financial ruin. Right. Like it just, I feel right. like financial stuff gets really, really messy. But at the same time, if you and your brother have a financial thing, like killing his ch- young children, your niece and nephew is like, whoa. Well, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's a combined thing then of like the financial stressor, like he, he killed his brother maybe more out of anger, but then he realized what he did and then also killed the family so they wouldn't have to suffer without their husband and father. Angle. Like maybe he had maybe he had, had some sympathy after the fact. So he I don't stabbed, know. <laughs> stabbed I don't know. I don't look none of it makes sense. None of it's good. Um well, I'm gonna give you some more insight. I will be okay. the therapist. Just kidding. I'm not. Please. Sorry. Oh, Don't. Nobody okay. sue me. I'm not a therapist. Dr. Christine. <laughs> Here okay. I am. No. Uh, my own therapist would have probably just. I feel her somewhere going like, "What is she doing? What is she saying? Make it. Make it stop." Uh, my mother is doing that every second of the day. She's. Like, I. I imagine she just stops in grocery stores, being like, "I am so on edge, and I couldn't even imagine what's happening on the happening. other side of this country." <laughs> I hope they're. It's I hope our bad. moms are in therapy. So, because of the like wild media traction surrounding the case, as you can imagine, in a neighborhood where it's you know uh, Queen Latifah lives and John Stewart and all these people, uh, there's like huge media sensationalism around this case where two mansions are set on fire and then a family is murdered. Yeah. Um, and so the Monmouth County prosecutor said to the press that if Paul were indicted by a grand jury, he would release the affidavits to the public so that people could know what mm. was going on. And that's exactly what happened. So Paul was indicted by, the, by a grand jury and the prosecutor was like, here are all the affidavits. This is what's been going on behind the scenes. Okay. So now I have like a literal 20 point list here of all of the things that we found out through these affidavits. Holy shit. Okay, before you do that, real quick. So what, what was the name of the town again? Um, it's called something? Colt Neck, New Jersey. Colt Neck Mansion Killings. Well, because you said you said the county I was actually born in. So I oh, got, Monmouth oh. County. Yeah, I'm only, tw- I was only 20 minutes away from there. Oh my god, well you are related to Bon Jovi, so I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I'm actually related to Queen Latifah, so can you <laughs> like, put some respect on my, my name, bad. please? My bad, that's way Thank cooler. You. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, go ahead with your 20 points, Jesus Christ. I know, so... I will tell you first, this is not my uh, my write-up. This is from Patch.com, and a writer named Carly Baldwin made a write-up of, like, a summation of what's in all these affidavits. So okay. it's a 20-point list, and they're all just fascinating. So we're going to go through them. Number one, Paul Canero allegedly stole $78,000 from Keith and Jennifer Canero, uh, and he stole the money sometime between Whoa. January of 2017 and the day of the murders, which was okay. um, November of 2018. This is all pretty okay. recent. 
And then NBC later reported that in 2020, uh, sorry, they reported in 2020 that Jennifer's father, Vlasis Karitas, I'm assuming he's Greek, sounds like he's Greek. Uh, sounds like a Greek name. Yeah. I mean, who's to say, but. He unfortunately came forward and said that Jennifer had told him before her death that she and Keith had discovered that Paul was stealing their money from trust they had set up for Jesse and Sophia's college funds. So mm. basically their uncle was stealing from their own. They stole their uncle stole $78,000 from their own college funds. Um, and according to Jennifer, it was closer to 90,000. So wow. um, her dad came forward and was like, yeah, she told me um, they found out Paul was stealing money directly from the children, their own children. Okay. So number two, the first police response of the day uh, was at 5.01 AM when police responded to a 911 call that Paul's home at 27 Tilton drive was on fire. And when police got to the scene, they discovered Paul, his wife, Susan, and their two daughters, uh, who were in their 20s, sitting in the car outside the home. The rear of the home was on fire, and there was a small fire at the garage door. Investigators noticed that Paul's white Porsche McCann, 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 Porsche McCann, I'm assuming. Uh, Porsche. Just, just, just all you had to say Well, there's Porsche. multiple Porsches, M. Okay, so oh, we got to clarify. I forgot we're in the rich Hello. and famous area. Well, how could yep. you forget? You were born here, weren't you? I, Queen Latifah herself birthed me. So. <laughs> I am Princess Latifah. Thank uh, you. you. Okay. Wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, so investigators no- noticed that Paul's white Porsche. Mac- and also, somebody wrote a rude tweet at us about how we pronounce things, and I'm like, you know what? I'm. I feel like we've gotten a lot better. I'm. I'm pretty damn careful most of the time. And the only reason if I don't know how to pronounce something, it's because there's no online clarification uh, for me there's too many online clarifications and i like i'll and click on a different they're all different yeah, and i feel like, like people, well fuck here we go this person was so mean and she was like i'm not listening to you anymore and i was like wow okay i really try okay. fine if you want me to say this right i'll say it the german way okay you know what you want me to say it the german way it's a <laughs> sure. porsche okay that's how you say it hey. everybody you don't say porsche that's incorrect so if we're gonna be all nitty-gritty about our pronunciation let's do it so also in Black Widow, in case anyone hasn't seen it yet, is pronounced Budapest, not Budapest. As to you, it's Fun pronounced fact. Budapest is how you say, is how you say the town. Well, mother, <laughs> got it wrong. I need to go watch the movie again. All Budapest. Right. Okay, Budapest. So Paul's white Porsche was parked in the driveway. It had a brown stain on the hood, indicative of likely spot poor burn patterns. Essentially, what that means is. As far, as far as I can tell, it's arson-related. So there's poor marks and burn marks from where somebody would have poured gasoline. Got it. There was also a red-colored gasoline can found sitting in the driveway near the Porsche. Well, that'll fucking uh, do <laughs> Yes. Uh, along with a charred rubber glove located next to the Porsche. So we just, like, didn't throw away it. Like, what are you what doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then... I'm not a criminal, but, like, I know to do that, you know? Like, at the very least, right? Or somebody in my car of five people is like, why is there right. a gasoline <laughs> can? And I'm like, let me move that before the police get here. But whatever. Yeah. Um, they also found three more identical red gasoline cans in a shed behind the home, sitting in a row with a space in between where clearly one of them had been taken out. So. As someone who is, like really into like order i feel like you should have picked the one on the, on the end one, like hello weird. i feel like that was just like added insult to injury yeah like, like what are you doing 
I'm going to make this feel uneven to you. Like you're making it too obvious. So clearly a fourth gasoline can had been removed from the row. They also found similar rubber gloves in the shed. Paul's home. We're also on point number five now. I'm just kind of rattling through them. Paul's home had exterior surveillance cameras set up, but Paul told police, oops, I turned them off because I thought they were slowing down my Wi-Fi. Oh, my God. Uh, You what? (laughs) he, He turned. Well, good question, because the last recorded activity was November 20th of 2018 at 128 a.m. Keep in mind, that's literally the night. The night, the like hours of. before the yeah. day of the murders. He just happened to turn them off at 1.30 a.m. Because Convenient. the Wi-Fi wasn't working properly or something. LOL. And a review <laughs> of that footage showed Paul walking into the garage and turning off the cameras. And the cameras were later found to be hardwired and not connected to the Wi-Fi at all. So he's full of shit. And he was in tech, right? Uh, yeah, he was in tech. You're completely right. So like, so like... It's not like my dad who wouldn't who just unplugs shit, right? Like who thinks he like you plug in the cloud and shit. Like so, (laughs) I had to unplug the cloud. It was messing up my stove. By the way, um, my dad has a new phrase. I'd like to announce. Oh, please do. So my dad thinks the cloud is like a physical cloud or something. I'm really confused by him being so confused. Yeah. But when it comes to texting, so he recently uh, got social media, which is terrifying to me. He has been like commenting on people's pictures and stuff, and but or like he has he commented on one thing, and I was like, oh, like I saw you, like you're even commenting on things. Like I was trying to like, like be impressed. Praise I was him. Like, wow, yeah. good for you. I was like, you don't just have an account; you're like using <laughs> the account. And he was like, yeah, but people keep trying to talk to me on there, and I don't want to talk to people. He's very much like a Red Foreman kind of guy from that '70s show. He's <laughs> like, I don't know why they're talking to me. Like I don't want to hear from you. Like I like. I, that's just slapping thumbs at that point. And I was like, what is slapping Sorry. thumbs? And Sorry. slapping thumbs is to him. It is when you're just like tap, like talking to people, like commenting on stuff and like trying to like start a conversation <laughs> like over your the phone. phone. <laughs> so like typing on your phone, he's like, when two people are talking online and they don't really want to be talking to each other, they're just slapping. Thumbs so it's like online small talk is just slapping thumbs. It's just slapping thumbs. Shut yeah, up. But wow. I was like, that's actually pretty on point honestly so. that one like fits like i'm like yeah i kind of get it but he said it so he was like we're just slapping thumbs i don't i don't know why i'm here and i was like rewind what now rewind <laughs> i was like what what 13 year old in fredericksburg virginia told you that that's a phrase i was gonna say it sounds like a very boomer phrase like we're all just slapping thumbs on here but also it kind of works you know i'm kind of digging it so now when i text you i'll be slapping thumbs we're always slapping then. thumbs we're just sending each other coffin yeah. emojis and oh my god you got glittery it. skulls all right so, anyway, he f- you're completely right that he's literally in tech, and he's like, oh, well, it was slowing down my Wi-Fi, and they're like, your cameras are hardwired, and we we know it, and you unplugged them literal hours before your brother was murdered, so, okay. Exactly. Um, number six, two butane lighters were located inside the home, one on a small table in the living room just inside the front door, and another on the living room floor. Number seven, when interviewed, Susan, Paul's wife, told police that she and her husband were sleeping in separate bedrooms due to marital difficulties, and she also said she had never known her husband to turn off the home's security cameras before, so this was clearly something she was not... Like a one-and-done situation. She was surprised, yeah. She was like, this is not usual behavior. It's not like every time the internet feels slow, he unplugs them or something. Yeah. Uh, Police then reviewed footage from a neighbor's security camera... Um, and that camera showed a white Porsche SUV leaving Paul's home at 2.08 a.m. and returning mm. at 4.08 a.m. the same night. Uh-huh. 
I see. How mysterious. He unplugs his camera at 1.30, leaves at 2, and comes back at and 4. Like less than, and less than an hour later, the police were called. Yes. And then, yeah, right. And then at 5, the police are called. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So canine dogs were then canine dogs. I guess that's a redundant <laughs> And feline phrase. cats. <laughs> feline cats. Uh, I, it says K9, you know? So in my uh-huh, head, I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, that brand. That breed. The unit. The, the, that unit the canine unit. Yeah. So, yep, were brought mm-hmm. in, thank you, to Paul's house yep. to search for accelerants. The dogs made uh-huh. several hits. Not surprising. There was a literal gas can in the driveway. Um, they found an unspecified fire accelerant on the outside of the basement window, as, se- as well as several near the garage door, under the garage door, and inside the trunk of the partially burned Porsche. And a judge issued a search warrant to search Paul's three other cars. So mm. that's where you're wow. getting all these Porsches from. You're right. You're right. <laughs> three right. other cars parked at the home at the time. In one of them, which was a Porsche Cayenne, uh, oh. police said they found a backpack containing a laptop, Paul's passport, a nine millimeter barrel of a Sig Sauer firearm, accessories believed to muzzle the sound of the gun, uh, plus a night vision accessory that attached to the gun. So hmm. how mysterious. How mysterious. Like how very smooth of an operator this man is. Hmm. Um, a large gun safe was also found inside the garage and Paul had multiple firearms registered to him in there even more firearms were found in the basement of the home ammunition identified as Fiocchi 9mm that's an Italian brand I looked it up uh, Fiocchi it sounds Ital- It sounds like a pasta but it's a gun Fiocchi, Fiocchi. Yeah. like I'll have my gnocchi with my Fiocchi <laughs> you know. don't shoot your gnocchi with your Fiocchi uh, 9mm <laughs> bearing the stamp GFL 10-9-X-1-9. So you don't need okay. to memorize that, but just keep that in the back like of your they head. Had, they had the, the number. Like they had the that's the number that they had. That's the, the brand. The, whatever a firearm brand is called. That's what the model, okay. I guess, oh, oh, okay. of the gun. Uh, and they found that in the basement. And at 12.38 p.m. that same day, a neighbor called 911 to report that 15 Willow Brook Road in Colts Neck is on fire. And that is Keith's home. Mm-hmm. So... Police there find the body of Keith, shot several times, lying on the front lawn. Uh, shell casings are found by his body, and they read Fiocchi 9mm bearing the stamp GFL 109X19. So, okay, so like ding ding, ding 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 ding. Keith had been shot once in the lower back and four times in the head, like I said earlier. Inside the home, investigators find the body of Jesse Canero, um, 11, uh, on the kitchen floor. He had been stabbed multiple times. Sophia. Mm. Canero 8 was on the landing of the stairs leading up to the second floor. She'd also been stabbed multiple times. I mean, horrific. Um, And then the mother, Jennifer Canero's body, was found on the stairs leading up from the basement. She had been shot once in the head and stabbed multiple times in the torso. And police believed uh, Paul Canero started a slow burn fire in the basement of the home that would slowly smolder for hours before becoming big enough to be noticed by neighbors. Wow. So they believe he went over there between that like 2 a.m. and Four, right, killed them and then set like a really small fire that would like eventually be enough to eventually get super bad. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They found a knife at the house and a swab was taken from it uh, that determined Sophia's blood was on it. The eight year olds. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Detectives pulled all of the area's 911 calls made that night. They learned that at 3.33 a.m. A neighbor three and a half miles away said he heard what sounded like five gunshots. Uh, coming from the area and he didn't know obviously where so when police responded they weren't sure they didn't see anything Um, police also canvassed residents on the street 
And a woman who lived nearby said she couldn't sleep that night, heard five loud cracks that sounded like gunshots, followed by one single gunshot. And she she clarified that she recognized the sound of gunshots because they were often deer hunters in that area. Uh, so okay. she said it wasn't fireworks, I swear. Uh, look, at least at least someone was clear on that. I know, so. I know. I'm like, I mean, I grew up somewhere where you had to know the difference between gunshots and cars backfiring, but <clears throat> I didn't live in Colt's Neck, whatever the hell. Um, <laughs> so, you know, whatever. But so she remembered the time as 3.10 a.m., because it was displayed on her cable box. I'm like, I hope nobody... Uh, nowadays, I'm very... If I hear something weird, I'm like, what's the exact time in case I have to be questioned by police about a murder? Mm-hmm. But back then, like... Before no, I did a true, true crime podcast, I never would have Ima- paid any attention to the time. Truly, imagine, like, what time did it happen? I don't know. It was dark. That's what would have happened before yeah, true crime and, really came popping up. No, for sure. And people back... Well, people back in the day could be like, I was in the middle of the Wendy Williams show. And it was like, that was a specified time. Now everything's streaming. It's like, I was in the middle of Grace and Frankie. And it's like, <laughs> well, that means nothing because you were watching it on your laptop, dummy. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, I'm just glad someone was paying attention, I guess. Um, number 16. In the days after this case, detectives were contacted by the woman who was married to the third Canero brother named Corey. Mm. So this is Corey, who's 44 years old. Uh, He's the third Canero brother. We haven't heard from him yet. I was going to say, this is a new uh, celebrity appearance. Yes, he's coming on the scene. Uh, His wife contacted detectives and said when the murders occurred, her husband drove their children to Pennsylvania out of concern for their safety. And he remained there, wished to speak with detectives. So detectives drove to Pennsylvania to meet with him there. He was like so freaked out for his own family that he drove to Pennsylvania and said, you need to come here if you want to talk to me. And police were like, sure, we'll do that. So, hey, that's a good father. I agree. I mean, at this point, you clearly can't trust this fucking brother of yours. Right. Like, holy shit. So Corey revealed that at 6.58 p.m. on November 19th. So that was the night before the evening before. Uh, Keith was killed Keith had forwarded an email to him that he had sent to two business associates and in the email Keith said he discovered money missing money missing from the two businesses the brothers ran together presumably like the Mm. 78 grand we were talking about and Keith said he would be discontinuing payments made in the name of Paul's wife Susan until he could locate the missing money so he was like cutting them off essentially got it Uh, so I'm sure that was the trigger quote unquote Uh, yeah I have you have a hunch yeah exactly the catalyst there. Uh-huh. Um, until he could locate the money. And the money was being paid under Susan's name because after his car accident, Paul had been classified as disabled. And so for whatever reason, it was easier to put the money in his wife's name. Sure. And Corey also told police that Keith had confided in him that he was frustrated with Paul and the amount of money Paul was spending from their business accounts. And Keith mm. said, you know what? It's time. I'm going to sell the businesses. Uh, and that was the last, that was the night before he was murdered. So Corey was like, Yo, I have Ooh. some intel, and I do not feel safe with this intel. <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah, tell no, you. truly, he must have been like, huh, um, I can ex- exactly tell uh, you. Yeah, what I know happened. the like, completely. Like, I know exactly what happened, and you need to fucking give me some, I don't know, protection. Some, yep. What do they call it? A, uh, a security detail. Mm. Sometimes I watch Criminal Minds as I'm wearing my unsub sweatshirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so it would later be revealed that in the late summer of 2018. Keith had sent his friend an email which read, so this is about, this is Keith sending an email to his friend, 
said, I don't know what he, presumably Paul, I don't know what he thinks, but I would rather take the cash now than deal with him going forward. He's a bit fucking nuts. So oh. Keith is like, Paul's like off his rocker and. Yeah, famous last words. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Exactly. And on this note, a previous employee at Citibank Chicago office commented on Paul and his quick temper. Apparently the employee had made fun of Paul for being slow about something at one point. And he remembers, quote, Paul picked up a screwdriver off a table and said something like, you know, you could have a fatal accident back here. Uh, (laughs) Red flag, red flag, red flag. uh Uh-oh. There was one time I was driving in a car on the way to a party with a couple people I didn't know. And like I knew of them, but we weren't super close. I was just like bumming a ride off them. Right. And as we were driving through these like windy roads and we were near a cliff, the driver was like, if I wanted to right now, I could just drive us off the cliff. What the fuck? I was like, I was like, what are we up to, my friend? I was like, what? And especially with somebody in the car you don't know very well, like, no, no. I was like, that's silly. Like, let's not do that. (laughs) I was like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. uh, we anyway that's it just reminded me of that where i was like i'm in danger yeah like that's like yeah. it's too I, late that's a red flag but i'm trapped in the back seat of this car yeah. it's like there's not much i can do i guess you're right you could kill me and i'm taking I an uber that's... home after the party right yeah <laughs> holy shit anyway. uh yeah so apparently this employee was like i just was like poking fun at him and he basically threatened that i would have a work accident and picked up a screwdriver i mean like just clearly Jesus. alarming um, so Keith was the primary owner of Square One with a 90% share. Paul owned 10%. And then the extermination business they had, they owned equally. Uh, and the office manager for both businesses also said Keith had confided in her that he was angry Paul was withdrawing so much money. And in the past year, Keith had also directed her to suspend payments to Paul's wife because of arguments over the money. So this money thing is getting clearly out of control in the year before Keith was killed. Spiraling, mm-hmm. yeah. And on November 23rd, so this is three days after the murders, a police cadaver dog did a second search of Paul's house, 27 Tilton Drive, and the dog found a plastic plastic container hidden in the basement of the home. And inside this container were a pair of jeans and a latex glove with giant red stains consistent oh. with blood. Folded into the clothes was an unspent 9mm bullet with the stamp GFL 109X19. Jesus. Wow. And uh, point number 20, the last point, on November 27th, lab tests came back, and eight-year-old Sophia Canero's blood matched the blood found on the jeans in the latex glove. <sighs> Fucking Fuck. horrible. Fucking horrible. So th- that's what we all... <laughs> that's what the public found out from the affidavits that were released. Uh, Jeez. So th- oh, wow. Th- that's how we have all this information, basically, um, even though this hasn't gone to trial yet. So... On March 18, 2019, Law and Crime reported that Paul Canero's attorneys parted ways with him because of conflicts of interest, which is like, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But apparently his original defense attorney uh, maintained Paul's innocence, saying, Paul Canero loved his brother, loved his sister-in-law like a sister, loved those children, would never do anything to harm them. There's no reason on this earth for him to have harmed them, which is like, cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> How convincing. Yeah, that means like, nothing. Ooh, you got me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That changed my mind. <laughs> let's let's end early. Let's yeah, go home. We were all wrong. Uh, big misunderstanding. And apparently the New York Times spoke to a man who did not wish to be named. <laughs> I don't blame him. 
who said he believed it was unlikely that Paul would set his own house on fire because he had worked so hard on it. Uh, he told oh. me he spent $140,000 building his deck. It's stainless steel screws. It's so over the top for this neighborhood. That's why I keep saying there's no way he lit fire to his own house. He's so passionate about it. It's his baby. So to torch it, if it turns out that that's the truth, I'll be totally surprised, the man said. What? Oh, Jesus. What? Like, I don't even know where to what start are you with that one. What talking about? I don't know what's. I don't know where to start He's with. He's like that. stabbing like, an, his eleven-year-old nephew. That wouldn't shock like, me. But torching his all, deck. Yeah. 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 What? It, like the priorities of this person are. It's very interesting that I feel like I know this person without knowing Completely. anything more other than the quote. He's just slapping <laughs> thumbs. Just slap. <laughs> if I could slap some thumbs his way, I'd say, you know what? You are wrong. <laughs> Sit down. Stop telling us about the screws on the deck. Like, what the hell are you talking about? trying to defend yeah, like, him and say he would never set his own house on fire he'd said like, his- the man is first of all even if he really cared about this duck more than his own family uh that still makes him an unstable person my well friend. clearly that's-, that's a good point like that doesn't make him look any better to be like yeah. oh yeah he yeah. Would never like uh i guess i couldn't speak to, speak to like murdering children but his own deck i don't know that he would set his deck on fire it's like what what kind of fucking strange i like outlook. how this person was like i don't want to be named and i thought it was going to be for his own safety Completely. and now i'm like i think it's because you knew what you were saying and i think everybody in our neighborhood is like I know who that is. That's what's yeah, his name across like, the road. It's that fucking guy with the shitty deck <laughs> who, like, Who's he won't stop talking so about all of our porches. about his fucking deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's just so bizarre. Like, okay, again, these two people are trying to convince me he's innocent. Like, you're doing a great job. Right. Uh, so all that said, there's an article on app.com, which is apparently... So you mentioned... It was funny. You mentioned uh, a website... That was, I think, owned about about.com about.com owned by was it New York Times? Mm-hmm. So this is app.com owned by USA Today. I guess they're just like Ew. picking up every like little catchy. What is name. New York Times going to add our app or what are they going to give us an app? What's going on? I know it's bizarre. So they own app.com, I guess, which is like its own separate publication. Um, and it suggests that the fires apparently weren't even Paul's first, which I guess shouldn't be surprising, but kind of took uh. me off guard. Um, so this article references a 2008 fire that started in a closet in the master bedroom of Paul Canero's home and which netted him an insurance payout exceeding $26,000, according to a court document. So like he's Mm. already torched his own house for insurance money. This isn't even the first time he's, sir, whoever this other guy is. Yeah. So the guy with the shitty porch, like he's already (laughs) torched the porch. You know what I'm saying? He's already done (laughs) that. He's already, he's already torched the porch. Um, Porches, torches, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, like, clearly this isn't even the first time he's fucking done this. Mm. So, as we mentioned earlier, on November 30th, 2018, Paul was indicted by a grand jury on 16 counts, including four counts of the first-degree murder of Keith, Jennifer, Jesse, and Sophia, uh, felony murder, arson, weapons charges, theft, misapplication of entrusted property, and hindering his own apprehension, according to the Monmouth County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, Paul pleaded not guilty to all 16 counts and faces trial this year on December 2nd, 2021. So a couple months away. And Paul's family was interestingly not present as he entered his not guilty plea. Um, And I have to imagine they didn't know about his plan because remember when the wife was like, I've never seen him unplug the cameras. Like clearly I don't think they were in on it. The family. No, they, they seem, I think this is a one person. And this must be shocking to like, hear that your father can you imagine finding out that like 
your husband is doing it's like this? allegedly you know, like, the murder of your niece and nephew yeah it's horrifying jesus um so they were not present when he put that plea in um wow and the daily beast did a really beautiful summary of jennifer jesse and sophia's obituaries i'm just going to read a couple little uh, snippets so jennifer graduated from the university of albany and loved to host family parties for every holiday at her home their son, Jesse, was a fifth grade student at Conover Road School and excelled in history, especially World War One and World War Two. His sister, Sophia, was a third grader at the same school and was a Girl Scout who loved taking martial arts classes. She also enjoyed baking with her mom and loved ice skating in the New York Yankees. And that is Aww. the fucking horrible, tragic tale of the Colt Neck Mansion killings, which I'd never heard of before and which I'm just like, I am so curious to see how it unfolds. When do we find out officially? So the trial starts December 2nd, allegedly. So we'll see. But that's mm. when it's currently set to start. So wow. it'll probably be a while till we hear any updates. But mm. maybe we'll do a follow-up at some point. Yeah. Wowza. Wow. Sad. I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> well, that's every week, I suppose. But uh, good storytelling, Christine. Oh, thanks so much. It's, what I don't really get, I guess when you had mentioned it earlier, why he torched his own house. Like, I, I, can't I really feel like maybe he had a, a, he had a different original plan where he was like, maybe gonna, maybe he got scared and was going to like hurt himself in the house. And it would look like it was an, like both brothers got attacked by a rival or something. Yeah. You or know maybe what? I think that of... makes the most sense that like he was trying to tar- make himself look like a victim too. Yeah. I, it was something, whether or not he planned on being in the house and, unaliving himself Mm -hmm. to you know maybe like with all this guilt and intense pressure or maybe he was just trying to burn his own house and he could look like he was at the grocery store and he is finding out the hard way that someone was after the brothers and their business right you know right 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 right. that's that's my guess no that makes sense because i guess i was like that never really was fully explained um because clearly he did it intentionally but yeah Mm -hmm. i think that makes no sense so we'll see we'll see Maybe we'll get some answers, but until then, how are you feeling? Oh, are you, I'm listening. Okay? I'm good. I'm drinking my iced coffee. Almost done with it's it. Good. Good. Thanks well, for asking. Do we have any updates? Anything like coming up that we need to talk about? I don't um, think so. I don't no. think so. I feel like the, the um, poetry slam was like the big to do. Yeah. Um, oh, I will say in the next, I don't, I'm early August. I don't know what, when it will be, but early August will be the next escape room. So, um, <gasps> so exciting. Just trying to end on a high, my friends. Yeah. Just <laughs> doing what I can. But yeah, so look out for the uh, next escape room. I'm and I'm going to start working on it n- next week. So I'm coming up with all my ideas now. So I'm in the middle of giving myself a lot of migraines. But Super. it's worth it in the end. Have fun. Yay. Have fun for you. Well, it'll be worth it for us. We can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm Whenever glad. you're I'm feeling glad like questioning it or feeling down, be like, but think about how happy Christine will be. Yeah, it's nice to know that you enjoy, you know, the results of my pain. That's <laughs> yeah, always. All I could ask Hello. for. All I could ask for. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week, I guess. And also, if you do happen to run by a haagen or a gay cruise, Aww. please think of Uncle Alan this week. And uh, he is now a member of my little spirit squad up in the that. air, you watching down on little, all of us. So. Your own little spirit. Yeah, spirit squad. I love that. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he's joined the ranks and now he's watching out for all of us and probably laughing at 
any and all misery that comes my way. So <laughs> he'll be pleased by your uh, escape room too. So he will. He'll be like, Jesus, take a nap. <laughs> Go on all a right. cruise. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we drink. <laughs> What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.